to episode five of What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode eight of the Not A Real Veteran podcast. We've got a lot of cool stuff to talk about, Braxton and I. If you're a libertarian in the world this week, you're probably really pissed off because government's doing a lot of extremely tyrannical, oppressive, shady shit. So we got a lot to hit on. And unfortunately, it's affecting our military members and our veterans as well. So without further ado, my beloved co-host, Mr. Braxton Voorhees. Braxton, there is no Chinese finger trap on your fingers right now, just so you're aware. Hey, bud, what's up? Not much, man. How you been? Been all right, man. Are you going to help me with these ad reads today? Yeah. All Let's right. You know what? Ads. Why don't you read the ads, and I'll just click the ads, because I feel like I carry most of the weight in the ad read department. I need you hmm. to step up your game a little bit. How about to start off, I will read the ads like you do. You slash bootleg. <laughs> okay, let's see. Let's see your best me slash bootleg impression. Ready? Go. The Tennessee Radical Caucus sponsors this podcast. Check them out at TennesseeRadicalCaucus.com. So was that me or bootleg? Both. It's, it's the same <laughs> template. This is our sponsor. They sponsor us. Check them out. Are you saying we're bad at ad reads? You know what? That's, no, bud. Up. No, I'm just saying if I was them, I'd ask for my money back. That's it. <laughs> well, it, it isn't much money to ask for. Probably not worth the transaction. Anyway, next. Uh, Tom for 52.com. There's no quit in quieter, quieter um, for state Senate. New York, he's doing big things. Libertarian Dan. That's right. And it is quieter, by the way. It's not quieter, even though it looks like it. Damn it. And. The Royal Green by Jack Casey. Um, You can kill bugs with it and hold doors open. (laughs) And the covers are oh so pretty. And Bootleg used to talk shit about it, but then he got paid more money to not talk shit about it. So instead he talked shit about Jack Casey. But in real life, they're like childhood friends. They've known each other since they were like two years old. Is that true? true. (laughs) They know each other somehow. Most importantly, where can you find it? Um, Amazon.com. You can get it on Kindle or you can get the paperback. It's a thick boy. It's very thick. You can also go to the royalgreen.com, but it is a thick boy. That is true. And I'm working my way through it at a very, very slow pace. I apologize, Yo, ask it, Raven. Casey. <laughs> <laughs> just, just be patient, damn it. Wait for me. Uh, for all of your meme needs, the Alaskan Raven <laughs> on Facebook at Slick Crow. They got some memes. They do got some memes. To be honest with you, man, I think that uh, I think you might be a superior ad reader to me. I, I feel like you should just have this from, from now on. Maybe you'll be the official NARL network ad reader. But uh, I can dig it. I can, yeah, hell yeah. All right, man. So what's new in your life this week? Um, dude, that's like an oxymoron. Nothing's new in my life. <laughs> I'm going to mow my grass. That's new. Dude, that nice. I need to do the same thing. That sucks. At least it's September. We don't have too many more mows left in Oklahoma before it just starts to die and we get to wait till next year. So hopefully that can hurry up. What about, uh, what about in the politics libertarian world? Anything been especially pissing you off lately? 
Man, I mean, more than usual, not necessarily, but I mean, the biggest one would be the uh, mandates coming down from the WH. From the WH. Can't avoid this topic, but uh, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Unfortunately, it happened last Thursday, and we had not a real libertarian that night, and we also had one Friday, but there wasn't really um, a lot to go into at that point, but now we're starting to learn a lot more about it. Um, there's starting to be a lot more lawsuits filed against it. Did you see that New York already had a federal judge block their healthcare requirement for vaccines for healthcare workers? I did not see that. They did. So, I mean, that's incredible. So if a federal judge is already blocking a vaccine mandate for healthcare workers at a state level, you'd think the OSHA mandates for, you know, businesses over a hundred employees and stuff will surely get blocked because that's significantly more of an overreach, significantly more oppressive. Um, yeah, so that's a great sign. It's not it's not the end-all be-all, but at, at least the courts are challenging it. At least they're setting a precedent. And we at least have a very conservative Supreme Court. You know, they're not libertarians, but, uh, you know, I think that I think that they'll protect us if it gets to that point, hopefully. Yeah, I have uh, faith in the SCOTUS as well. Um, it's awful weird. Uh, I'm not too optimistic ever about anything but on this one i have a feeling kind of thinking of my job specifically like i just wonder how many businesses are going to comply even if they don't have to um and the reasons they'd have i'm not really sure but i mean it's kind of just the uh the die i've already been cast sure so you work in a much more safety oriented field than me so do you know like how are osha fines typically applied do those come out in taxes do they come out as a bill in the mail? Like, do you know how OSHA even finds people? I don't. Huh. That'd be a, you know what? Fuck it, guys. I'm going to Google it right here on the show. How does OSHA find people? Because I need to know this. I think everybody should know this. Um, while we're waiting, go ahead and say congratulations to Nick and Josh for the uh, their inaugural episode of Not A Real Luau. That's right. Congrats, Great. you guys. Great episode, too. And I, I renamed it on purpose. Notice I said not a real luau. Uh, not a real luau. I, I do like that better, but we will not say that because Nick knows what he's doing. And uh, it's still a great a great show and a great name. Wow. So I can't really find out um, where the fines come from, how they're paid exactly. But this is really interesting. So I'm on an OSHA website. And there's different levels of fines, apparently. So there's a low gravity fine, which is for less serious violations. So that's $5,800 for each incurred penalty. Then there's a moderate gravity, which is semi-serious. That's $7,800 to $11,000. Then there's the high gravity, which is extremely serious violations, which is $13,000. So what's really interesting about that scale is that the COVID vaccine fine is $14,000. So essentially what OSHA is saying, what the White House is saying by doing this is by not requiring your employees to be vaccinated, you're committing a a grievance more high than any other OSHA regulation that exists, which is absolutely insane because there's a lot of OSHA regulations that are much more applicable, much more practical than this one is. So it's a commie plot. Got it. So it's but, a commie uh, plot. You said it was $14,000 was the what's coming in the mandate? Per violation, uh huh. That's that's what's been released. Now we haven't seen the actual um, emergency. What do they call it? Uh, rule or whatever they call it yet. We haven't actually seen OSHA release it yet. But that's what Biden has said is going to be in it. So it's a lot man, of freaking money, man. 
I feel like a uh, new libertarian, you know, more or less. But, you know, we talk about stuff like this and I realize I kind of forgot how normies think. Like, why is the government telling us like how to be safe um, health wise medically? Like, why does anybody think that's a good idea? Which I mean, like, I I understand a lot of the people watching this aren't going to be surprised by that. And they think that. But how, how is that even allowed to be a thing? Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, we know that the free market is the best determinant of those things. And, you know, it's it's different, you know, when you read like books like The Jungle and you understand how life was back in the early days of the Industrial Revolution, I can see why people reached for OSHA and, and those kind of regulations. But the thing is that just because you see a discrepancy and a problem doesn't mean that government's the only solution for it. Um, in fact, by by writing The Jungle... That author, wow, I blank, I'm blanking on his name, but um, you know, he brought those things to light. So he probably did more for food safety and factory safety than than any regulation did at the time because those things weren't regulated at the time. So really, the the idea that the only solution to these issues is government regulations is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, there's a lot of ways to handle these things, um, but we do live in a world where normies, for every problem they could possibly fathom, government's the answer. Well, those are status. That's a little bit different than normies, but uh, <laughs> man, that's a great. Educate me. Educate me on the difference. No, dude, that's a great point about the book. Uh, I'm sure that book did more did did more good than any of the agencies that came about as a result. Um, so that's a great point. And I wonder. So, is the Department of Labor is that the highest organization like that we're dealing with here? So it goes straight from the president's desk, a directive to the Department of Labor, down to OSHA. I honestly am not positive, but that sounds exactly right. That would make perfect sense because, you know, the Department of Labor is part of the executive branch. And if they're a federal department, then that's where it's got to come down from. I'm sure OSHA belongs to them. So um, I don't know, but I, that sounds right. Dude, what about the 10th Amendment to the Constitution? What about the 10th Amendment to the Constitution? <laughs> They've been ignoring that for a long time. But have you seen this ever-growing map of states that are resisting? And uh, luckily, Oklahoma is one of them. But it's 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 awesome. It, at least there's states that say, fuck you. We're not going to listen to this. We're not going to abide by this. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, it'll never be one thing. And that's blue. So, I mean, that we're halfway there. <laughs> I mean, but are you saying are you saying that red is halfway to gold? It goes blue, red, uh, gold. Uh, no, not necessarily. Not like in a linear way. I just mean like it'll never be. We have Republican problems, but we don't have Democrat yeah. problems. So True. we, uh, but I mean, I, you know, as well as I do that, like Oklahoma's claim to fame is that in 2008, there was not a single blue county for Obama. Um, I, I thought there wasn't a single blue county in, in 2020 as well. Oh, well. But you're right. That, that it, might be true also, but I'd be a little bit more surprised to hear that, but. I'm almost positive that's the case. And what's really interesting about that is that we have a lot of pockets, especially Oklahoma City, Tulsa, and Stillwater, which are the most liberal areas. Well, specifically like Edmond and Oklahoma City, Tulsa, Stillwater, Norman, where you've got pockets of liberals and leftists, but and they tend to elect Democrats to the state house and Democrats to um, city council, things like that. But for some reason, when it comes to the presidential election, those same people end up voting, at least the the district itself goes red. So it's almost like, you know, they care about 
being blue on the local level, but when it comes to the federal level, they don't want to risk that. They don't want to see somebody like Biden in charge and shit. Now we, now we get it. We see why. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm not going to say any of the Uh-oh. numbers because, Hey brother, we lost your audio there for a second. I don't believe you. I can't hear you. Oh crap. It's me. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, I can hear you again. <laughs> oh, hey. Oh, hey. Well, sorry, man. What were you saying? Um, I'm not going to say any numbers because any numbers I say will be wrong. But I was I heard um, during the 2020 election that, you know, if a state if a state likes their governor. Well, OK, let's see. If a state does not like their governor, if a governor has a low approval rating, that state, regardless of if they're traditionally blue or red, will probably vote the opposite color. Huh. That's fascinating. And yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, it was a podcast episode I was listening to. I could go back. I don't know if it's because kind of like what you're saying, like even like, oh, the, even the Democrats vote for a Republican or if like the Democrats in that case are just less likely to vote. I don't know why that is, but the numbers were substantial. They were significant. That, that's a really good indicator when they were going through like the analysis, whenever they were trying to call like the swing states and all that, they were looking at who's the governor and their approval rating and trying to base it off that. That does make a lot of sense. I feel like that's less applicable to Oklahoma just because we've been red strongly for so long. And then there's people like, well, but our red governors, even the bad ones, though. No, you're fine. Even the bad ones like Mary Fallon, who people still had a kind of a reasonable, you know, distaste for still probably had an over 50 percent approval rating just because our state is so full of Republicans. But. Kind of reminds me of what Larry Sharp always says about, you know, how the libertarian parties tend to be the opposite of how the state politics are. Hmm. Have you heard him talk about that? I've not. It's actually really funny because he always uses Oklahoma as an example, but he talks about how the state affiliate of the LP is usually leans the opposite direction of state politics. So, for instance, he says that, like, California libertarians and New York libertarians tend to be very far right leaning. But he always he literally always says this. Oklahoma libertarians tend to be further left leaning. I would kind of disagree with that um, for the Oklahoma statement. I don't think I'm pretty familiar with the OKLP being that I'm an officer on it and in the discord. And I would say we're pretty right leaning as far as uh, LPs go. But I, I don't know. Yeah, um, you can talk to him about it next month. I will. I'm like, hey, hey, Larry, you know, all that shit you've been saying about Oklahoma. Let me we'll introduce we'll you to all of these <laughs> so-called left-leaning libertarians. Yeah. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're left-leaning. But hey, let's back up. Let's back all the way up. You were talking about Mary Fallon, and I was thinking about her anyways, because uh, I remember a time at Rammstein Air Base, Germany, Lil Will had lunch with her. That's true. <laughs> I did. I did have lunch with the Republican governor of Oklahoma. I did shake the hand of a Republican. I swear I washed my hands afterwards. I used lots of hand sanitizer. There were no spreading of any viruses from the governor to me, but I did meet the governor of Oklahoma once in Germany. It was pretty cool, honestly. She gave me a governor coin. So as far as military coins go, that's probably still my favorite. It's in a little plastic case too. Dude, so I didn't even know she was a Republican, to be honest. I assumed she was a Democrat just because she's a female. Um, but, and that's, you know, I'm not being rude. I'm just being honest. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not stereotyping. I'm just stereotyping, but no, you're right. You're right. That's well, but 
Yeah, I mean, not that the story is that interesting, but I get to work and I check my email and there's an email sent to me and everybody just on the base who is from Oklahoma. And it was like, hey, your governor's here in the first, what is it, 10 people that uh, reply will get to have lunch with her. But you were not the first 10 people I was thinking about going, but no, that was uh-huh. like six hours later. So I was like, there's no way you actually called them mofos. And I was like, I want to go. I want to see my governor. That's true. I did. Basically, if there was something happening in Germany that was honorary to only Oklahomans, I felt like I deserved a spot in that room because I'm the okiest okie to ever okie. And I'm <laughs> proud of it. But uh, let's get back. Let's get back to the vaccine mandate issue because I feel like we got a little bit on uh, the state, the state stuff. But um, so this is actually going to affect you because first of all, you haven't been vaccinated yet. Have you heard anything else from your job? Are you worried about it? Um, I mean, I am concerned about it. I've not heard anything else. Uh, we had an email on Friday. Just They were just asking uh, us to send them our vaccination status so that they could use that data to make a decision going forward, which, uh, you know, they didn't really specify. They didn't ask for anything other than that. But, you know, I'm, it makes sense. It's easy to connect the dots. They want to see how many people are vaccinated to see if it would be cost effective to give us the weekly tests or how many people they would lose if they were to say, like, oh, yeah, you have to be vaccinated. So, What's up, Matt? Man, what a legend. What a legend. Um, damn, dude, that sucks. But, you know, Governor Stitt posted something on Facebook today, and he said that there will be no vaccine requirements in Oklahoma so long as he's governor. So I don't know how he plans to do that. Natalie Bruno, mm, just going to share that, actually, real quick with everybody. That name Did sounds we- familiar. <laughs> we need to be plugging her more often anyway but uh she shared a really great post and i'm just gonna blow it up for everybody here give me a moment hmm. so Stitt and the oklahoma legislators should be filing a lawsuit against president biden to block the vaccine mandates in the state of oklahoma natalie bruno for governor Natalie Bruno, Libertarian for Governor, is where you can find her on Facebook. You can also find her at electnataliebruno.com. Please donate. And if you are talented with social media, graphic design, getting volunteers, please volunteer for her campaign because she's freaking awesome. And she's going to be the next governor of Oklahoma. Um, But, yeah. How libertarian is the Oklahoma uh, state pledge? The Oklahoma – you mean the motto? I don't know the state pledge. I salute the flag of the state of Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. It's symbols of peace unite all people. Yeah, I forgot that. Um, wow, I haven't said that since elementary school. Um, that's pretty not libertarian to salute any flag, I would argue. Well, it's salute, not pledging allegiance. So you're already, okay. have, you're already doing better. Touche. And then, uh, yeah, symbols of peace unite all people. That's that's you know you're right. That's not too bad of a pledge. It's not asking for my blind loyalty. It's just saying that hey, uh, the peace pipe unites everybody, and so doesn't it? Doesn't it though? Not that you no. know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tyrannus forficatus. Tyrannus forficatus. The pending Oklahoma militia. Wow, we're being really state heavy today. If anybody's not interested in Oklahoma, they logged off four hours ago. But um, let's take this to where it really affects military members and veterans. And I will pull up an article from the Military Times. 
This is pretty tragic, guys. Soldiers have three months to get COVID vaccine or face discharge with few waiver options. This is from military.com. Um, so it's credible. Please check it out. Check, read it. Complain about it. Share it. The Libertarian Veteran Caucus had some strong words to say about it today. Um, but what do you think about this, man? I mean, three months, I guess that's pretty you know, reasonable. But they said there's not going to be any waivers or you're going to have to have a really hard time proving religious exemptions, which is already the case for anything in the military. Um, they're not going, it's not going to be an honorable discharge. So they might lose their GI bill. What do you think about this? Man, it's a hard one just because like, it's not surprising. I mean, just because like from the moment you entered the military, they have you by the balls anyways. Um, I was actually being really optimistic because just in the air force, the, you're allowed to put your hands in your pockets now. So I was really yes. upbeat. Yes. Uh, which is something we should talk about, but, uh, later maybe, but you know, I wonder, I really want to see it play out because, uh, how is this not going to come back and bite them in the ass? How many people are going to be gone? I mean, dude, they had manning issues when I was in. I couldn't, I couldn't hardly ever take leave. Um, well, I mean, I could, but only on my short tours. When I was in Germany, I couldn't take leave. We never had the manning. Um, and I know that's the same way with basically every security forces squadron um, and a lot of career fields, a lot of the maintainer career fields, obviously. So I wonder how they think this will not come back to bite them in the ass. Yeah, no shit. Now, the only thing that I can think about is maybe – Hopefully they just plan on doing a lot less in the you know realm of war fighting in the future. I doubt that's the case, but I mean, we were pulled out of Afghanistan for the most part now. We're still in Iraq, still in Syria, still in Djibouti, still in Somalia, still in um, Nigeria or I was Niger. Say Thirty places throughout Africa that we've never even 30 heard of. Thirty places throughout Africa, yeah, for sure. We're everywhere. I'm um, of course all over Europe and Asia. That doesn't even really count. We're just used to being in those places, but um. So, so maybe they're just going to do less war fighting, but that's kind of hard to believe, especially because our government functions off of war fighting. It's kind of the fundamental, you know, piece of the economy, um, at least from the state perspective. So, yeah, you're probably right. It probably will bite them in the ass. Or maybe they can get rid of all the free thinkers and whoever's, you know, blindly loyal, the new woke army will be there in their place. But um, you're right, man. It's going to bite him in the ass. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully it does. But back to what you said, I bet if there's any non-veterans watching, they're probably cracking the fuck up. Like, what do you mean you, you couldn't put your hands in your pocket before? You, you could not put your hands in your pocket in the Air Force before. Um, when did that change? Pretty recently, man. It was, uh, you know, the new chief mass sergeant of the Air Force, which, I mean, I guess, like, she doesn't sign anything into effect. It's, you know, the secretary there. Well, I mean – the what's that what's yeah. old boy's name the uh well chief i mean staff. yeah chief of staff for the air force and Secretary i don't remember the air force well yeah that's above the chief of staff but anyways it was it was uh chief master sergeant of the air force bass was really pushing it there's a few other things um well there's a lot of changes to female hair regulations they're yeah, a lot right. more Boy liberal tails. now yeah several like they can do some different things with their braids i think Man, I, I didn't know anything about female like grooming standards when I was in, and I certainly don't now, but it was a lot. And I know that because all the guys were, you know, crying because the beards uh still a no-go, but it is quite a bit easier to get uh the religious waiver for that. I know personally people that have the religious exemptions from the beard. I just want to say thank you to Roy real quick 
because the Upton jungle. Sinclair rode the jungle, and I could not think of his name. Thank you, Mohican Libertarian. You are the man. Roy Martin, ladies and gentlemen. But um, damn, that's crazy, man. Well, I'm glad they're getting more liberal because that's all chicken shit anyway, and it, you don't need those things to be a warfighter. What do you think? Do you think that you need uh, strict regulations on grooming standards to be – a effective military force? Yeah, I'm thinking probably not. The argument against beards was always the gas mask fit, though. But I've also yeah. heard that's BS. I don't know. I really don't know because obviously the operators, the cool guys, they get to have beards. So um, I really don't know. I really don't. Because same thing for the female hair. That That's the reason they always sided. And they'd been, you know, people called bullcrap on it over and over again. But as far as the... Um, as far as the fingernail polish colors and the, I don't know, spray tans, hair colors, I, I no, I don't think that affects mission readiness at all whatsoever. One thing that I always heard in the military, and this kind of goes back to like the basic training, like making your bed argument, clipping your strings argument. Like basically if you are, you know, allowed or if you're able to keep everything tidy, keep everything organized, keep everything up to standard, then you're going to do the same with your rifle, with your magazines, mm-hmm you know, with your radio, with everything else that you're taking into combat. So that's what most, um, you know, MTIs, drill sergeants, NCOs would kind of push. But how many Air Force members are taking rifles and radios into combat? Let's be honest here. Not the majority of them. So, Yeah, not the majority. I mean, not that I think that, you know, whatever. If the, I mean, if they actually have operational jobs, like it's any less important. But the thing is, you know, that has to be enforced throughout. You know, I mean, even the people that do carry guns and radios every day, um, you know, if that standard's not maintained like in your unit, then it was pointless, you know. Sure. And it could be, you know, it could be the same as far as um, strapping down, you know, Humvees to an aircraft and making sure that you've got your weight right and make sure that you've got the proper capacities. Um, So, wow, that's crazy. I'm going to pull up a tweet from the Veteran Caucus real quick today, mostly just because a tweet. Um, Yeah, it is. I want to show it off. But this goes back to the issue we're already discussing. Is it about dangling benefits? It is about dangling benefits. I like that one. How wise of you. Well, thank you, sir. The Veteran Caucus thanks you. Even though you are the Veteran Caucus. So from LP Vets today, there are a few things more disrespectful to military members than dangling their hard-earned benefits in in front of them to coerce them to accept a drug that didn't even exist when they signed their contracts. If you're okay with this, don't pretend to support our troops. So I think the biggest thing on this, first of all, the dangling the benefits thing is ridiculous. Like if you're going to discharge people for not getting a vaccine, that's one thing. Give them an honorable discharge though, damn it. Let them keep everything that they've already worked for. Otherwise, that's absolutely insane. But the fact that the COVID-19 vaccine didn't even exist when a lot of these people joined the military, shit, for a lot of them, COVID might not have existed. You might be talking about people who are on fifth year of a six-year enlistment and have done all of their time already, done it well, served honorably, fought in missions, deployed, and you're threatening to send them home without the GI Bill because they won't get the jab. That is absolute insanity to me. And, you know, I really – what – why? What's the why? Commie agenda. I mean, let's be honest here. Military members are the healthiest people on the earth, or some of them. They're usually young. They're training – they uh, have PT tests every six months at least so that you know that they're in good physical health. They've already got their health care taken care of. Um, so they're not worried about themselves. They're not worried about military members. So And 
It's not like military members are usually in places where there's a lot of senior citizens around either. Um, so it's not like military hospitals are going to be overrun with ICU patients because of COVID, which honestly I haven't read data on, but I'd be very surprised if ICU beds were full in military hospitals because there's just not a lot of old people. Um, so it's, it's mind boggling to me. I don't think there's any reason other than, Hey, these are our troops and we want them to embody the new American values and we're going to make them abide by our agenda. You know, two things. One, the only thing that makes sense to me, and, you know, there's a lot of things that don't make sense to me, never will. But, you know, what not makes sense is just getting the numbers up, which, you know, comes back to the money. You know, I think the bill that was passed to authorize these vaccines were $3 billion, you know, right to Big Pharma, $3 billion. And yeah, yeah I think that's the only thing. I mean, just because honestly, I know someone personally, uh, a guy that I work with, he got vaccinated because at first he was kind of against the vaccine, but he changed his mind. All right, cool. He got both rounds of it. And then uh, this week he's home with COVID because he got it from his wife, who is also fully vaccinated. She's a school teacher. She caught COVID, uh, took it home to the family, you know, accidentally, of course. So, I mean, like you can't, you can't say it's about, you know, the effectiveness of the vaccine. Like, you know, if you want the vaccine, that's great. Um, I've never told anybody they shouldn't get it, but the only thing that makes sense is that, but you know, what a golden opportunity that they just give to the Republicans who are going to be running um, this next election cycle. Because I mean, what if they say like, Hey, everybody who got, you know, a less than stellar discharge because of this, you know, my first day as president, I'm going to, you know, put a bill through that's going to fix all that. True. That would be freaking incredible. That would help, you know, Republicans get the House, Senate, everything, um, and the presidency, of course. Well, they have the Senate already, don't they? Well, they have I'm one sorry. of them. They have the Senate. I'm so out of touch with politics because I don't give a shit. I'm so libertarianized that I'm like, I don't fucking care what the Republicans and Democrats are doing. But um, it's it's fascinating, dude, because you're exactly right. The effectiveness is not there. As the variants keep coming, it's going to become less and less effective. And What's crazy to me is that the actual antibodies are so much more effective. So why would we not be focusing on like letting young people, you know, do everything normally, not vaccinating young people? Basically, old people, sure, if they're really worried about dying, get vaccinated. But young people should not because we need young people to get this shit and process it through and then be immune from it going forward so we can get closer to herd immunity and and actually, you know, um, get over this. In my opinion, I feel like that's a much more reasonable way to do it. Well, Will, do you have any credentials to be speaking on this topic? Absolutely none. Uh, yeah, I'm a host of a podcast. I have all the oh. credentials I need. I, I thought you had a bachelor's degree in healthcare administration. I do have a bachelor's degree in healthcare administration, but that still does not qualify me to speak very heavily on epidemiology. But it does if you say it very confidently. <laughs> true, true. Um, but no, it is fascinating. And what's, what's also crazy just to, on the moral dilemma, dude, is that it's, you know, all of this is saying it's there to protect the unvaccinated people. So we're going to demonize the unvaccinated people and make them second class citizens to protect them, which is just such an outright lie. You can't, nobody buys that shit. Um, and I mean, wow. like maybe also a flex, like, you know, for, I guess, optics for, I mean, the words kind of escaping me, but you, you know, you want your grip to be tight and you know, the military, it's kind of like shooting fish in a barrel. So, I mean, just to kind of uh, show what, like, a mighty tyrant you are, very easy to, like, hey, guess what? You are going to get this vaccine that I said everybody should get or you're going to get out. Yeah. Honestly, dude. And what sucks about the military is so many of them are used to that 
mindset and being treated that way, that a lot of them will just agree to it without even saying anything. Mm -hmm. And not only will they not say anything, they'll probably demonize the minority who wants to speak up against it. Um, in fact, I really wish I could talk. I, I should, I should reach out to some of my friends who are still in and ask them what the culture is like right now, because I'm sure it's a little toxic. I'm sure it's a little weird to be an anti-vaxxer right now in, in on active duty. I'm sure it's very isolating. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like, cause I think, I think that article said like two thirds. Let me see if I can find it actually real quick. I don't want to spend all day, just about 80% of active duty military members Oh no, that's just soldiers. But still, I'm sure that speaks to the entire military. If the soldiers got it, at least to the Air Force and the Navy, maybe the Marines are less because they're a little more uh, headstrong, I'd argue. But um, 80 percent have it, so I'm sure the 20 percent are feeling pretty isolated, pretty demonized right now, and now they're really in a rock and a hard place. Yeah, I mean it's it, it screwed up. No matter what, no matter what the reasons are, no matter how effective or ineffective it is, that's. Uh it's awful. And I mean, something needs to be done about it. Sure. And, you know, part of the libertarian party veteran caucus, um, you know, mission is about changing the way discharges are handed out, period, helping people keep their benefits, you know, fighting that. So this just falls right in our lap of being an issue. We're already trying to tackle and just another terrible example of how the military treats discharges um, like a non-issue, basically flippantly. You know, these are people's lives. These are benefits people have worked for. They've agreed to them and they treat them so flippantly and take them away so easily for nothing. So um, it's ridiculous, man. But let's move on since uh, we've been talking about this a lot. And I want to get to this story that is pretty freaking crazy. So I'll show the headline and we'll let you kind of go into more details. This is from AmericanMilitaryNews.com. Former Trump acting SecDef says he didn't authorize Milley's secret China calls and that he should resign. And he is talking about General Mark Milley, who is part of the – he was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Holy crap. Braxton, what the fuck is this about? Um, apparently, he had called a – you know, his Chinese counterpart, General Lee, maybe. Um, That's a safe, safe guess. Wow. I'll find out what it actually is. He um, called his Chinese it, counterpart. It was Lee. It was Lee. See, I knew that. I was not stereotyping. I just knew it because I read the article. He called him, and basically what was said was, you know, don't worry if we were ever going to attack you guys or anything. I would let you know first. And uh, kind of an odd thing to say. Yeah, very odd because there's a precedent, first of all, why would you ever let them know first if we were going to attack them? But second of all, why do we have that buddy-buddy of a relationship with the Chinese military that our top general is calling their top general and having conversations like that? That, to me, speaks to a – and also we should really disclose, this is all coming out of a book, which is called um, – Crowned in Gold by Jack Casey. <laughs> No, but you should buy that on the royalgreen.com. This is called Peril by journalists Bob Woodward and Robert Costa. So if you want to read this book, it's called Peril. It's going to be coming out later in the year. Um, but it, this is alleged. So none of this has been proven yet. We haven't actually seen complete evidence of this, but two journalists are claiming that this phone call happened. Um, so if it is true, this definitely speaks to this underlying unspoken relationship we have with China 
that all the conspiracy theorists have been pointing at for a very long time and that our government has been completely denying. What do you think? Do you think there's some substance in that? Man, probably. And, you know, it kind of makes you think like maybe the whole screw up in Afghanistan, maybe that was more Millie's fault than Biden, because, I mean, that's kind of the same, you know, uh, withdrawing your military before you withdraw your civilians. Like, yeah, that makes sense coming from a guy that calls China's top general. And, hey, we'll let you know, you know, before we do anything, um, which no, no, I'm, jo- I'm joking, but I thought that was a pretty good zinger. So. OK, yeah, that was a good zinger. I didn't know if Millie was still the chief chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He is. Um, we have a new oh. sec def, but he is still the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Interesting. And that's that's even kind of fishy to me. Like, why why would Biden leave Trump's chairman in place if uh, I mean, that's kind of fishy to me. I don't know. That seems a little. It, is he appointed? I don't, I don't know how that works. I'm I'm pretty sure. You know what? It's a great question. I'm pretty sure he's appointed. And I think the secretary of defense might be the one that appoints him. Okay, I'm pretty, so, sure, I mean, I'm pretty sure the SecDef appoints all of the chiefs of staff. So, I mean, we or, definitely have a new SecDef. It's Biden's SecDef. Huh. Okay. Well, that's crazy, um, though. You know who I wish would be the chairman for the Joint Chiefs of Staff? General Mark Nayard. Who is that? Um, He's over the Space Force. Oh. Okay, how come? Are you being serious or are you being facetious? serious in the fact you know serious in the way that it'd be better than millie but facetious in the fact that it's a character played by steve carell oh yeah general nayard you are are such a son of a bitch dude why do you set me up like that you know i'm too gullible you watched Um, space force before i did i watched like i didn't watch all of it i watched like three episodes and yeah it just wasn't the office i can't watch steve carell in anything that isn't the office ever again Hmm. i'm sorry um, except that one movie where he was crazy and had the little figurines. That was freaking cool. What was that called? Something about Arwen, like the world yeah. of Arwen or yeah. something about Arwen. That was actually a great film. So that's that's an exception, I suppose. But um, yeah, got to love well, Michael Scott. There was, oh, well, you know, the, so I mean, that happened with, you know, his counterpart. So like what we can assume is someone way, way up in charge of China's military. But, you know, the same thing happened with the, the body of the most senior uniform leaders in the United States Department of Defense that advises the president of the United States. True that. Roy, who appoints them? Does the Secretary of Defense appoint the Joint Chiefs of Staff? That's what we're kind of curious about. If you know, if anybody knows who appoints them, let us know. Is it from the president directly or is it from the SecDef? Or is it from within themselves? Hmm. Uh, That'd be weird. But, um, you know, we had now he's the president, but we had the vice president of the United States making phone calls to, you know, Russian billionaires, uh, basically asking, like, hey, when's my son's check going to clear? So it's kind of odd. You know, maybe that's well, I say maybe they want us to, you know, they call people Russian agents and they want us to be scared of Russia and China. But uh, they clearly are not. They clearly have pretty good relationships with them. So exactly, man. What if this is just a massive version of the two-party system you know like the same people are prospering they want us to be divided so they've got the red team and the blue team and we're focused on who's the good cop and who's the bad cop and all it's the same it's the same people running the show the whole time what if it's the exact Mm. same for our leaders of the country what if china and russia are the enemies and to them america's the enemy but what if they're all profiting off of our uh our dismay and our confusion we need to have alex jones on like do we have anyone scheduled for next week no, let's let's call Alex up. Uh, I got him on speed dial. I'm pretty sure if he's not on Joe Rogan, we'll we'll get him up here. 
But that would be awesome, dude. You know what? Jessica's actually like made me see Alex Jones in a different light because she showed me some really old videos of him from like the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen, have you heard of like that crazy place where all the politicians go? Bohemian Grove. Bohemian Grove. Yes. Yeah, of course I have. Um, I'm so uneducated on conspiracies and stuff and Infowars, clearly. Um, but he, he was interviewing some like senator or something. And yes. Just grilled him. And it was incredible. And I never respected him as a journalist till after that interview. And I'm, now I'm like, okay, I think of Alex Jones completely differently. And yeah, and to be fair, if you ever listen to him at length and it's not like a curated clip, it's less crazy. I'm not saying it's not crazy, but it's a lot less crazy. Like you can tell when he's being like satirical or facetious or this, that or the other. He's not. And, you know, but he actually does have some, you know, you could call it like mental health problems. He says he kind of like develops psychosis just because he's balls deep in conspiracy. Everything he does is conspiracy theories. People are sending him conspiracy theories. So he says it messes with his head. And I believe that I buy that. So. I'm sure that'd be a really hard universe to live in because, to be honest with you, even just being a libertarian is like yes. enough of, of enough of a rabbit hole to exist in. You know what I mean? Exactly. You kind of are constantly feeling that emotion, constantly living in that world and feeling those, you know, shit, those that fire hose of new information coming to you. So I could I could definitely understand that. Our rabbit hole is a lot less deep than his is, I'm sure. And, you know, he's he's right, you know, more times than The Simpsons. He was um uh, <laughs> He was talking about Jeffrey Epstein, you know, 15 years ago. And, uh, but yeah, the Bohemian Grove thing was really interesting. But also, just before we get completely off of it, I heard from a podcast that the same Russian oil company that Hunter Biden is like a senior advisor for, right? They're going to be the same ones that get the uh, drilling rights in Afghanistan now that we're not there. No shit. So that one is a little bit tinfoil hatty, but uh, let's just see if he's cashing in those dividend checks because. That's something. There's always stuff like that happening, man. Anytime we invade somewhere, there's always, you can always chase the money back to some Mm. politician in America who influenced that decision and is banking off of it. Exactly. Always. Um, hmm. So we, I don't know if we've, we've talked about this before a little bit, but let's talk about it on the show for everyone to hear. But do you consider yourself a red pilled or blue pilled libertarian? All right, so the most important thing to understand on this question is I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay, so for you and for this audience, let's explain what the pills mean. So this is taken from the Matrix, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, when Nero is offered a red pill and a blue pill, the blue pill to go on with his life and wake up and nothing will have ever happened, or a red pill to actually see reality for what it really is. Um, so typically the way this applies to libertarianism is that blue-pilled libertarians – tend to believe that, yes, our government's evil, yes, they're corrupt, but mostly that comes from a place of incompetence. It's pretty much just the natural reaction of a system that doesn't work, made of greedy people um, who just are flawed and can't keep their shit together, and that's why we get all these terrible problems. Red-pilled libertarians put a lot more intention behind that failure. So they're thinking more like there is actually somebody at the top controlling what we hear at the media, you know, controlling the narrative, working with politics, working with big corporations and working with, you know, the media and the most importantly, um, the education systems Mm -hmm. to make sure that we only believe a certain reality. And to be honest with you, the older I get, the more red pilled I become because I start hearing more and more things like that. You know, even just Alex Jones, just the way the media has always demonized him and, you know, focused on kind of his, uh, his, 
I don't know, disarray, I guess you could say. Um, I feel like it's becoming more and more obvious that the people who are in power and really run the country want us to think a very specific way. Yeah, you know, it's like concentric circles. You know, I would say just to answer that question before we get way off it, um, I lean more towards the red. And I would also say, and you know, here's my thing, because I um, I definitely don't label myself as a conspiracy theorist. I try to stay away from that just because uh, how quickly people will discredit you. And also it's just, you know, hurts your head when you start thinking about all this stuff. But, you know, I, I was blue-pilled early on in my journey just because, and I know I've told you this before, I think about like a family dinner, like the whole family's together for Thanksgiving or Christmas. And I go around the table just to my family members, you know, my aunts, uncles, grandma, great grandma, mom, dad, all that. And I think like, okay, if this person were president of the United States, would they make marijuana, you know, legal or illegal? And, you know, I go that through like all these issues and most of them would definitely stick to the status quo. And it's not for any malicious reason, like number one, because they don't have any power to hold on to now. You know what I mean? And so, I mean, I think that's that's how I kind of handle the conspiracy theories. So, like, obviously, I think the incompetency part is absolutely true. But I just think that the red pilled argument is a lot better, because even if the blue pilled people were right and it's just that the government's just so ineffective and incompetent, which they surely are, um, all it would take is really one or two bad actors to come in there and basically impose their will on those incompetent people. So, I mean, kind of just the red pilled argument kind of supersedes the blue pilled. And, you know, it's kind of like just the problem with oligarchies, the, just the government has too much power because a lot of the media is owned by, you know, businessmen, the Jeff Bezos's. And, you know, I don't even necessarily think that they're trying to brainwash this control the narrative as much as maybe they, they are the ones trying to appease Washington so that they can get all of the handouts that they do get. So it's kind of like concentric circles with the government being in the middle of it. So it's ultimately the government's problem. Always. That's the answer to everything. It's the government's problem, but you know, you do have some billionaires in between and yeah, but dude, I'm a weird libertarian. Um, starting off, well, starting off, I was, you know, a statist, of course, dirty dirty status and uh <laughs> you you helped me out a lot but you know you were an anarchist and once i actually got on the wagon it's like okay but i'm a minarchist i'm not a crazy anarchist like will is but at the same time you know i give you crap for this all the time you have some more um you i have some more anarchistic tendencies than you do in some regards you know like i'm really like disenchanted with like voting you know, you're, you're an anarchist and I've always known you to be an anarchist, but at the same time, you're a proud voter. You post a picture with your voted sticker and everything. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But I got to stop you just to say that your last few wins were fucking spectacular. So well said about the red pill, blue pill, but sorry, keep going. So, I mean, I just, I'm kind of in like a no man's land. You know what I mean? Like, um, because there's so many variables, so many moving parts. Like, you know, of course I want Liberty to win, you know, through the elected officials, this, that, or the other, but the duopoly is just so awful and it's just so deeply rooted. Now it's uh, hard to see a way out of it. Uh, you know, huh. that leads to a great next question. Sorry to let's interrupt. Go. No, let's go. I wanted, let's go. I wanted to say, you know, I think you're exactly right though. You absolutely hit the nail on the head because here's the thing. I don't believe Alexandria Casio Cortez knows how the system actually works. But I believe Nancy Pelosi does. And so that's how it works. It only takes one inner circle of bad actors to control the system and control the narrative for it to function. And everybody else in Congress and the Senate doesn't have to fully understand it. Probably like, you know, most cults work as they get higher up in the society. 
and higher up in the group, they probably understand a little more as it goes on, but it doesn't take everybody to understand it. It just takes a few of the most powerful to understand it. So I think you really hit the nail nail on the head. Um, But since we get to this question of voting and uh, is there a way out of this, that gets us to another set of two pills, the white and the black. And uh, the black being the more nihilistic approach to the world and the white being the more optimistic, you know, hey, we can do this. Libertarianism is the future. We're going to make this happen. Where do you usually see yourself? And I know this isn't, this isn't a question you can just stake in the ground, right? Because it changes on a daily basis. But exactly. where do you usually find yourself? Well, dude, just to be honest, um, just to be honest, I find myself hedging my bets. You know what I mean? Um, so you have the Mises Caucus and, you know, they're a bunch of go, go-getters, hard chargers, roll up their sleeves, like, like it's actually get people elected. And I love that. I'm glad we have them, um, you know, and I want to help those people. You know, I want to get the wins when we can. And, you know, there are some libertarian candidates who I, you know, endorse a thousand percent, you know, just uh, the Larry Sharps of the world, uh, Travis Johnson. Um, you know, there's so many like great ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is that. But it's just we have everything so stacked against us. And, you know, not only that necessarily, but it's uh, there's a political cartoon, which I know you are a huge fan of. Um, that I've been seeing recently. Have you seen the one where you have like the Lord of the land Baron or whatever, and he's looking at the angry mob and then uh, the person's asking him like, how are you going to defeat him? And he's like, Oh, I don't have to defeat him. You just have to convince the torch people that the pitchfork people are out to get them. Yes, I have seen that. And that's fantastic. Fantastic. And that's exactly what it is. It's so much easier to control people uh, when you have them divided into two groups. And honestly, dude, it's, it's absolutely insane uh, that anybody believes that, you know, out of the 330 million people in America, that most of them ought to fall into one of two groups. Like that is a crazy thing to believe, you know, and cause I don't want there to be three parties that are say like on the debate stage. I want there to be 18. You know what I mean? I want every American to be represented and absolutely crazy. It is absolutely crazy, man. You hit the nail on the head again, but um, we are running out of time. So- are we? Yeah, we're at 47 minutes. I would say my voice <laughs> is getting a little tired. So let's wrap it up and save some of the deeper stuff for next time. Um, but guys, follow the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus. We're up and coming too. We roll our sleeves up too. And uh, we're ready to work and get some shit done for libertarianism as well. And follow we could your use your help. And we could use your help, especially if you're a veteran. Please reach out to us. We want to get you involved. Um, we need help. We need volunteers, too. So if you want to get involved, let us know. Um, follow the Oklahoma Libertarian Party, especially if you're in Oklahoma. But if not, just support us and our social media efforts. We're trying to grow our pages. So we'd love your support. Um, and follow Not A Real Libertarian. Of course, if you're not already, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. And we're also on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Twitch. Anything you want to plug, brother? Yep. Happy birthday to Ethan Goldberg. Happy birthday, Ethan Goldberg, dude. Fuck yeah. I told him happy birthday this morning. Hell of an activist. Hell of a libertarian here in Oklahoma. Um, Yeah. I'm excited to see him next time. Also, uh, everybody be looking for the announcement that'll follow on Facebook, but I'm trying to start a movement to get Stilly Will to release his album back onto iTunes. So everybody can buy that and I can plug that. Um, and then check out the podcast website and you can get some merch. That's it's right. A, not it's almost gray sweatpants season. 
So you can have the uh, not a real veteran uh, on the side of the sweatpants. I'm 99% sure we got some not a real veteran sweatpants on the side. Definitely got t-shirts. Um, so let me check out the website and stand by for the announcement about whether or not Stilly Will's going back to iTunes. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I will put my album back on iTunes whenever Spike Cohen releases his mixtape. So whichever comes first, we'll see. But uh, you can find all that stuff at notarealpodcast.com. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next week, which we will have a guest next week, Wednesday. And uh, check me and Bootleg out tomorrow night on Not A Real Libertarian, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, all right. Have a great night, guys. Welcome to episode 5 of 